0: Coming up on today's show, a restriction-free summer in Alberta. That's the plan announced by Premier Jason Kenney. We'll get him to clarify some of the details around what he has planned. Then we'll hear from the other side of the aisle. Opposition leader Rachel Notley has some concerns and also more tragedy around opioid overdoses in Alberta. Premier Jason Kenney joining us now to talk more about the reopening plan that was announced yesterday for the province of Alberta. Now, Premier... This is uh, the third or the fourth reopening plan, I think, that you've presented since this pandemic began. Albertans, understandably a little skeptical, a little nervous. It's very ambitious. Um, Why should this plan be any different than the other stop and start scenarios we've seen?
1: Well, something is totally different now, Shay, and That's the vaccines. That's the protection of our population. I mean, you really have two tools you can use to deal with a pandemic of this nature. One is restrictions on how people interact to try to limit it, limit the spread. And the other is population protection. You either get to that through a huge infection leading to people getting antibodies or vaccines or a mix of the two. We have about fourteen percent of the population that has had COVID, we estimate. Uh, but more importantly, we now have sixty uh, percent of the eligible population as of today who have gotten at least the first dose of the vaccine, nearly nearly 10% a second dose. We're predicating, we're basing this whole plan on the science of the vaccines, uh, and, uh, and we're following the example, the real-world example, of places all around the world, well ahead of us on vaccines and population protection. Texas opened up completely at 14% first-dose coverage. We're talking about opening up at 70%. This is safe, it's based on the science, and... We should be uh, careful for the next while, for sure. But willing to embrace the protection that the
0: vaccines give us. Um, you mentioned that scientific data, and we know that real-world examples are out there, but we also know that a lot of the real-world examples you cite, the U.S., the U.K., Israel, things like that, a lot of those numbers are based on second dose. And we're seeing this morning the U.K. backing off on some of their plans because they're not achieving the coverage that they need with concern to the variants, especially with single-dose coverage. The single-dose doesn't necessarily um, handle the variants as well as they would like, so they're backing off. So when you talk about that science, it's not going to Completely settled, right?
1: Well, you no. Know, the science of vaccines is settled, uh, Shay. That, that they about their protective effect. And right here in Alberta, I mean, look. It obviously, uh, first versus second dose, and how they deal with various variants. The numbers can vary, but generally speaking, first dose protective effect on the mRNA vaccines, like the Moderna and Pfizer that we're using in Alberta, is about 80 percent protection from infection. Um, and something like uh, 85% protection from serious outcomes. Uh, And once you get the second shot, you're going to like 90% protection from infection, about 98% protection from serious outcomes. So you do get a bit of a bump there, but you do get much broader population protection from going long on the first doses, which we are doing. But I'll also point out that we are leading Canada um, when it comes to administering second doses. We're at nearly 10%. Uh, and that will start to pick up in June. Um, on top of all that, we have 14% of the population with natural immunity. So these numbers, Shay, are higher than they were in other jurisdictions that opened up. I'll give you the example of uh, of Texas. They opened up at 14% vaccine-first-dose coverage. They've been absolutely wide open with zero public health restrictions. And COVID has continued to drop like a stone in in all across the United States. And they were three months about ahead, ahead of us on the vaccine program. So um, we, we can pr- proceed yes right now with caution but trusting in, in the science of vaccines. And why would we tell people to get vaccinated if the at the end of the day we say we're going to keep you on indefinite lockdown because we're chasing COVID zero? That's never been our approach here.
0: No, and I agree with you. I mean, we've been told from day one that the vaccines are the way out of this. And, and if Albertans are signing up and rolling up their sleeves and getting vaccinated, okay, well, this is our way out of it. We've, we've got to go with it. I understand that. It's the timeline I think some people have some concerns about. Uh, but speaking of the vaccines and how important it is to get people vaccinated, did I did I detect a change in tone yesterday? Um, as I say, we've been told vaccines are all along, but yesterday, it seems uh, you and the health minister both put it squarely on the shoulders of Albertans to say, hey, if you want this to happen, you know what to do. You need to get vaccinated.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's in the hands or, if you will, in the arms of Albertans now. Um, we're not, we're not going to force anybody to get vaccinated. In fact, we're, we're amending the law to remove the power that can compel people to. We're not going to jab a needle in anyone's arm, mm-hmm. but we are without apology. Going to say that I think people have a social obligation to do this. It's, it's, if they think it's just a, you're, let's say I hear this from some people, well, I'm young, I take care of my health, and I'm not concerned, and there's very few people in my age bracket who get COVID, et cetera. Okay, fine, buddy, but it's not just about you. What about your family? What about your neighbors? What about the broader society? That's the message that we're trying to send here. The more people who get the vaccines, the tall, the bigger and thicker the wall is. that we de- to defend our whole society against this pandemic, the faster we get back to normal. This is one small thing that you can do. Give up like half an hour of your day. Go online, get registered right now, uh, show up for the appointment. I got the jab, it's painless. I had zero side effects, vast majority of people have no side effects. We Shay, we've got people out there trying to spread fear and misinformation on this. Uh, But we have administered uh, two and a half million doses, inoculated 2.2 million Albertans, and we have tracked exactly 385 adverse outcomes, most of which are no more serious than a sore tummy, than nausea. We've had one fatality, which is sad. Um, Out of 2.2 million people inoculated, that was tied to uh, a blood clot issue from uh, AstraZeneca. So, But we've had 2,200 deaths on COVID. The vaccines are safe. They help all of us get our lives back to normal. Um, The timing
0: of this plan, there's a lot of people out there, and I'm sure you've heard the reaction and encountered it since the announcement yesterday, that this is all about Stampede. This is all about Stampede. That's why we're rushing. That's why we're so much farther ahead than the rest of the country. Do you have other data that, You can present, I mean, I I keep hammering on this with you. Is there scientific evidence data, a timeline that you can provide to give us an indication of why you're making the decisions based on the timeline that you have outlined? Or is it just... What I
1: can tell you, Shay, is um, after Saskatchewan released their plan, which was tied in large part to vaccinations, I asked uh, the uh, Minister and Department of Health to begin preparing uh, uh, their proposal for reopening uh, this summer. And uh, they came to me last week with uh, their recommendations. And these were coming from uh, Dr. Hinchard, Chief Medical Officer of Health uh, in the Department of Health. And their recommendations were uh, effectively what we announced yesterday. There were some minor changes on the way there, but effectively what what we announced. Uh, And their goal was 70% population protection. Uh, with uh, first dose coverage being a key metric, and 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 their estimate, their estimate was that we would achieve that by uh, early July. Um, and I so I did not. There was no political instruction. There was no expectation set. The number it was what. It, what matters is not when stampede starts, July the ninth. What matters is reaching that critical threshold in terms of the protection of the population. Uh, why would Alberta? Be the first place in the world to reach a number like 70% population protection, but not be able to control the virus at that, at that level. So, it, you know, uh, I, we are based on, basing this on a careful analysis of what's happening around the world, the protection of the vaccines, and many other factors. And here's the good news. Since help came to me with those recommendations, the vaccine take-up has even accelerated further, and COVID numbers have come down more quickly. This timeline,
0: this framework that you've put in place and announced yesterday, just so I'm clear, does it come from the chief medical officer of health and her team? Was it their decision or was it your decision to
1: pursue this aggressive timeline? Well, the way it works is that uh, the health department makes the recommendations based on input from the chief medical officer and then cabinet ultimately decides because it is a democracy. And... uh, We accepted their advice. Uh, As I say, there were some minor tweaks, uh, but not in terms of the timelines, but uh, more in terms of the first and second stages. We put some things back further. We brought one or two small things up uh, closer. Uh, So, But effectively, the full reopening is the plan that was recommended to us by the Department of Health based on their expert input and analysis, and that was accepted by government, announced yesterday, uh, and it gets us to a higher level of protection Than most places around the world that have fully opened. Um, And uh, I'll just give you one last point to consider, Shay. Last summer, we had pretty modest restrictions in place in Alberta and zero vaccine coverage, and we had very low COVID numbers. So another factor that plays to our advantage here is weather and seasonality. Uh, that's been a significant element of, uh, of COVID. But I say, let's accept the science of vaccines uh, and let's get our lives back.
0: Stakes are higher, right? I mean, we know what the opening, closing, pushing things back, the dates, you know, the goalposts moving and things like that because of cases. Uh, we know that meant to business and restaurants and things like that. But now we have Stampede, we have KDS, we have Taste of Edmonton, we have Heritage Festival, all these massive, massive events based on yesterday, the CFL saying, okay, we're going, we're gonna do this. um, the stakes are much higher if this doesn't pan out, are they not?
1: Well, the stakes are high for everyone, Shay. the stakes are high if we keep every uh, if we keep people's lives uh suspended. The stakes are high for businesses who have gone through fifteen years and of uh, fifteen months it may seem like years of, of of just uh brutal adversity who are barely hanging on for the life savings of those people for people who are coping with enormous mental and emotional health. The stakes are high for everyone right now. You know, three weeks ago, there was a boxing match in Florida. At, I think it was at, at Joe Robbie Stadium. It was at a football stadium. They closed the roof indoor event, 75,000 people, zero evidence of COVID spread. The numbers have continued to fall uh, in Florida uh, and across the United States with unlimited attendance at events. Um, uh, you look... This is this is a, a careful and safe plan. It's bit, and by the way, we are we are going to be substantially ahead of the Americans when we fully open, hopefully in early July. But that all depends on what Albertans do. Please continue to be careful in the next while. Follow the rules and get the jab.
0: Premier Kenny, thank you once again for your time. I appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you, Shay. Cheers. Does Monday at the office
1: feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for Shipping can make or break a sale. So
0: optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. The premier is betting on vaccines, no doubt about it, no restrictions in about one month if we hit 70% of eligible Albertans having received at least one shot. It is a very ambitious target, and there are those that are skeptical, among them his political opponents. And joining us now to outline why, we have NDP leader and leader of the opposition, Rachel Notley, joining us. Um, Ms. Notley, thanks so much for your time this morning, appreciate it.
2: Oh, it's good to be here.
0: Um, Yeah, uh, since the announcement was made, he's been publicly questioning the Premier's motives for his reopening timeline, saying it's all about Stampede, it's all about Stampede. Um, He's given some pretty clear parameters in terms of hospitalizations and vaccinations, so, so why the criticism in terms of the timeline?
2: by saying that you know i actually agree with the premier and i think probably 99.99 percent of albertans in that we want this to be over and we want to be able to get back to normal uh you know we want people to be able to see their loved ones and their friends in a relaxed setting and 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 we wanted those small businesses that have been struggling so much to be able to get back to work in a in a predictable way and and i guess it's that last piece that that really is driving a lot of our concern you know the first couple of phases in the premier's reopening plan uh make sense uh, to me as a as a just a, as a casual observer not an expert i don't have access to the the science uh, the premier won't release it but it makes sense uh, from a common sense point of view but where it starts to get weird is is his so-called third phase, which is not actually a phase. It's just, it's over. We don't have COVID anymore. Off we go to the races. And that's where it looks very different from what we are seeing in other jurisdictions. And so that's why we're concerned. And we're saying, listen, if you think Alberta can do something that nowhere else in the country can do, um, uh, then, and and we're no longer looking at at case levels, we're no no longer looking at hospitalization levels, because that actually doesn't apply to that last... Steps. um give us the science give us the evidence tell us what you're making this decision on and he won't do that and that's what's uh, troubling to me and and frankly we've 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 seen this movie before we've seen it twice already and and both times the ending was not a good one and and so people i think are are reasonable to ask for the evidence that's not a big ask um
0: Realistically, though, and I understand what you're saying, but when you talk about you know moving faster than other jurisdictions and things like that, what is the alternative here? I'm not anti-mask. I'm not anti-restriction. I've I've complied right from day one. Under the Mm -hmm. assumption that the only defense we had was that until we got vaccinated. Now, vaccines are the way out, we've been told. That's the message from every single health authority on the planet. You need to get vaccinated. So if we're reaching that 70% threshold... Why do you mm-hmm. think we need to wait any longer? We're there. That's where the experts say we need to be.
2: Well, what the experts say is we're there when we have 70% of both doses. The experts have never said we're there. 70 and 20, a lot there. of the
0: science says. 70 and 20.
2: Pardon me? A lot of well, the science 70 says 70 and 20. 20 is, yeah, 70 and 20 to, to start to get there. They never say 70-20 is over. They say 70-20 is a good benchmark uh, to, to get very close to the end uh but but what's happened is jason kennedy's kind of jumped over things and he's not as again as i say showing the evidence what we know is that seventy percent vaccination with the first vaccine is is great don't get me wrong it's significantly going to reduce uh the severity of symptoms that people might get if they get if they get ill it will definitely reduce the rate of infection but it won't eliminate it and and what we need to do is have both doses so uh don't get me wrong like i want to get there and i say th- i am super impressed with how fast the cases have been coming down. I want to thank Albertans for the hard work they've been doing in the last three to four weeks to make that happen. And I do think the vaccines are a way out, but the experts say two doses, not one. And, and uh, um and And that's where we're not there yet. and And I just think that that uh, every other jurisdiction is is uh, looking at the second dose, and they're and they're waiting just a couple of extra months longer and and i i I'd, I'd like to see the evidence for why Jason Kenney thinks we don't need to do that as well here in Alberta. Other premiers have been up and announced reopening plans with their chief medical officer of Health at their side saying, yeah, no, it makes sense to be totally through this at the end of August, beginning of September. We didn't get that yesterday. And so Albertans are right to ask these questions.
0: We've seen that, as you say, the cases have absolutely plummeted. We've seen a, a mm-hmm. dramatic reduction. When we reach that fifty percent mark, which the premier said, you know, once we see that, we'll see a dramatic change. We're now pushing sixty percent with first doses, um, mm-hmm. and you know, a, a lot of these jurisdictions are still dealing with first doses. They're farther ahead on the second dose, but they're certainly not anywhere near seventy percent on second dose. Mm-hmm. So, so as I said, what what's the alternative? How much longer do we wait? What do you need to see to say, okay, the vaccinations have done what? We've been told they would do. Albertans have signed up mm-hmm. and got the shot. It's worked. When? What? What do you need to see to say, okay, we can move past this?
2: Well, What I need to see are the actual recommendations that the public health officials have made to Jason Kenney. We, unfortunately, in Alberta have seen over and over that his cabinet, because of a lot of the the ridiculous internal politics that we've been subjected to having to watch over the last few months, that his cabinet has over and over rejected the recommendations of their public health officials. So if we can see what the scientists are recommending to his cabinet for that last phase, uh, then, you know what? I, I'm gonna go with, with the scientists. I'm gonna go with the evidence. What we're seeing instead is that every other province is saying there's a phase one, there's a phase two, there's a phase three, a phase four, and then, or in some cases a phase five, and then we're out of it. In, in Alberta, we've got phase one and two, and yeah, let's go to Stampede, man, it's done. And, and, and I'd need to see the evidence. And we don't get that. We have our premier who has now a very clear record of hiding the evidence, delivering the wrong evidence, overlooking the evidence, and then getting uh, leading Alberta into some of the worst outcomes we've seen in the continent. And so because of that, we need the evidence. That's all. Once we get that, I want to go too, and I want to do whatever we can to get those vaccination rates up and to support small businesses and to support working people. That's the other thing, to make sure that that they can still follow the rules necessary should they get ill. All that stuff is really important because I want us to get out of this, and I think we have the ability to be one of the first provinces to get out of it. But not if we're not uh, taking science seriously, not if we're hiding information. That needs to stop.
0: Well, I mean, I asked him, and he said this plan that he put forward is essentially um, what was brought forward by his medical advisors, with some tweaks in terms of what goes into which Mm -hmm. stage, but in terms of the timeline and things like that, he made it pretty clear that this is what they're saying, and I mean you know, just to play devil's advocate again here, it, mm-hmm. it's been pretty clear that, that that threshold of 70%, I mean, if you take a look at, sure, it's faster than other jurisdictions in Canada, but take a look at what's happening in the US and in the UK and in Israel and other places where they're they're not even at that 70% threshold. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the NHL playoffs. The buildings are packed mm-hmm. and cases are mm-hmm. continuing to drop. The vaccines were the way out and it's sort of proving to hold up to, to you know, real world testing.
2: Well, I think, again, what I'd want to see is the evidence. What we know is that in the U.K. and in Israel, we're looking at double doses. In the U.K., they, they had uh, much more restrictions than we had uh, up until only about two and a half weeks ago, even as they were exceeding our vaccination numbers. So I, I think what we really need is not sort of, a, 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 you know, the premier sitting around the table in a bar having a drink with us telling us you know anecdotal stories. What we want is the evidence that comes from the public health officials who are doing the research. That is something that happens in other provinces. That is not mm-hmm. something that we get here. And Jason Kenny has not done anything to earn the faith of the people who is now asking to trust him i'm sorry he's just not the guy to do that not on this issue frankly not on most issues but definitely not on this issue and uh and that's what we're asking for is is let's just know that that's there we need to move forward we want to move forward as i say the first two rounds of you know phase one phase two makes perfect sense it's Seems to be pretty much what we're seeing in other provinces. That's good. It's it's that it's that suddenly, oh, we're all done and we're all going to a stampede without masks on. That is um, that's uh, quite a difference from other other uh, jurisdictions. And 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 so we are concerned until such time as we see uh, the evidence for why we shouldn't be.
0: Okay. So under an NDP government, what does it look like? The first phase we agree with. Okay, we're we're good with that. What's the timeline? How much longer would you be waiting? To allow Albertans to to do the sorts of things that we're talking about in July? What would it be based I think,
2: you know, well, for instance, again, it's hypothetical because I don't have the evidence. If you look at, for instance b c they're talking about September. everything's back to normal in September, but they they're not having big you know twenty five thousand fifty thousand person uh, festivals over the summer. Uh, the same goes for that in Quebec and in Ontario. so I suspect that if I had access to the evidence, we'd probably be do a similar thing. The other thing that I would do that is very different from Jason Kenny, which is very frustrating for me, is we would put in place a sick leave program. you're asking uh people who work in restaurants people who work in the the corn dog machine at, at, at on the midway uh people who who are going to be front and center with albertans who are now being told they don't have to wear masks and let's bear in mind, 30% of the population still is not vaccinated at all. You're asking those people to go to work every day and those same people, uh, should they get exposed, are told they must uh, leave work for 14 days, but there is no support there for them financially. Um, and and other jurisdictions have taken steps to to try to address this. Uh, Jason Kenny refuses to, and I think that's another critical issue because we've heard from scientists in Ontario that, that uh, in fact, that could happen help reduce infections by as much as 50 percent but this this premier won't act on it so that's something a very definite difference that you would see between uh, a government led by us and uh, and 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 what we see now i think there are a lot of different levers to pull i think we should uh, use them carefully reasonably and always be never shy away from showing your work share your evidence tell people why you think you want to do this and and don't mix your messages and and then try to bring as many people along as you can because let's remember and this is where the Premier and I agree this comes down to the choices made by each and every one of us individually as citizens. It's about how we're protecting our neighbour, absolutely but each of us is making that choice and the best way to do that is to have all the information we can at our disposal and that's why I'm frustrated that we're not getting that here.
0: Fair enough. Uh, Ms. Notley, thanks so much for your time this morning. I appreciate you joining us.
2: Okay, you bet. Take care and have a good summer.
0: You too. That is Rachel Notley, leader of the NDP, leader of the official opposition in Alberta. And um, so she's sort of half on board with the Premier by the sounds of it. She agrees that some reopening is called for and is in order, but it's too much, too fast. And she would like to see it pushed out on a longer timeline, more in line with what we're seeing in other provinces. Although BC did make an announcement yesterday, yes, full openings with massive gatherings and things they're planning for the fall, but they're uh, targeting July for a lot of the restrictions to be out of the way. So we're moving forward, and and the timeline can be argued about, but you can see some of the success that's being reported in the United States. So uh, I think the Premier has a leg to stand on here. opioid overdoses have really continued unabated during the COVID pandemic. In fact, they've only continued that steady upward trend that we've seen for years now. In fact, they doubled in 2020. Uh, This weekend was tragic in the city of Edmonton. Three people there found dead in the city's core all at the same time, and it's believed they did die of overdoses. There are now calls from various social agencies and different groups saying we need to come up with an emergency plan here, something urgent to deal with this crisis. It's something we've struggled for so long to get a handle on. Rebecca Hainsaw joins us now. She is a professor in community health sciences at the University of Calgary. Um, Rebecca, thanks for your time this morning. I appreciate it. Thank you. You know, when we take a look at this opioid epidemic and the crisis that's been going on, I I don't know how long you can call something a crisis. This has been carrying on for years and years and years and only getting worse, right?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, in the past five years that we've been monitoring uh twenty twenty is by far the worst year on record. At times uh, deaths from overdoses were exceeding or, or on par with COVID deaths in this province. And as you mentioned in your lead up, we just haven't seen that emergency response.
0: Yeah, and so when we talk about an emergency response, what kind of things are we talking about here? Because you know, these groups are calling on AHS, police, the provincial government, everybody to try and come together and come up with a plan. So what what does a, a you know, a major public response look like?
3: Well, from where I sit, it looks like a public health emergency response, similar to what we've seen for the COVID-19 pandemic. We don't have any press conferences when we see three citizens dying outside in a park. Uh, You know, we don't hear from the Chief Medical Officer of Health. Uh, We don't have an emergency overdose prevention task force. And we just don't see the scale-up of, you know, what you just mentioned, a collaborative response across sectors, either at the provincial or the municipal level.
0: Yeah, and the, the question I have, Rebecca, is, I mean, this is not new. This has been going on for so long, and all politicians talk about it and talk about how they need to address it and how terrible it is. Why have we not seen any progress? I think some people would say in Alberta, we've gone backwards.
3: I think we have gone backwards. We hear a lot about investing in treatment and investing in beds. And, you know, beds are not homes for those people who are vulnerable. And investing in treatment recovery is not overdose prevention. And so I think in the public mind and in the, you know, political uh, realm, the discussions we've been having, we really have to disentangle, like, what is mental health and substance use treatment from what is Responding to a public health emergency in overdose deaths. I mean, three people dying outside—that's Jason Bush, Michael Dion, and Clifford Mitchell. I think it's important to say those names. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mason and Dean Kemner, who died earlier in May, two you know brothers, 29 and 31, who died in their apartment, also suspected overdose in Edmonton. These are people from across the spectrum, uh, you know, dying. There was a journalist who talked about responding to an overdose in downtown Calgary outside. This is just going to continue happening, uh, and it's going to affect many people. To me, it's, it's shocking and tragic.
0: And I think you make an interesting point in terms of separating it, because you're right, the provincial government will constantly come out, and they did this week, saying, hey, we've made investments in opioid antagonist, uh, antagonist therapies, medical de- detox, we've increased the number of recovery beds. Um, you know, and then you hear the addiction specialists and the public health advocates and the other side saying none of those things are good for someone who's dead. They don't help. You need to keep people alive and prevent the overdose. There really are two separate discussions that need to be had here
3: yeah and i think it's also exactly what you're pinpointing that well we're focusing on you know the possibility of recovery or readiness for treatment and i mean don't get me wrong uh, public health advocates also embrace this sure uh, and any investment in helping people is fine. But we're looking at these, you know, beds or facilities or communities they're developing, that's happening down the road. Families that I speak to in the research I do are telling me that for some of the major treatment centers, there's still a five to seven month waiting list. And we have to remember, I think it's hard for people who haven't experienced it, that when people Go into treatment and they come out, they're at an incredibly high risk for overdose, too, because we know uh, when people are experiencing addiction, sometimes they'll return to you, they'll relapse, you know, and it's a process um, sometimes of cycling. So, you know, the idea that residential treatment fixes overdose, uh, I think people just don't understand how that's connected, but also, um, you know, that the drug supply has become increasingly toxic during Mm. the pandemic, and so things have really shifted, and it's way more dangerous and risky than it was before.
0: Rebecca, you know, we talk about Alberta right now. I mean, that's what we're broadcasting to, and we know it's a situation here, but it seems to me it's like that in a lot of places. Is there one jurisdiction you can look at and say, hey, look, this is what they did and this is the positive outcome? It, has anybody managed to get a handle on this?
3: You know, I think it's very challenging because we were leading in Alberta uh, for scaling up harm reduction interventions and for HIV HIV prevention, Um, you know, we were doing all the right things, uh, and that changed in 2019 when uh, our focus shifted with the new government, and the services have been systematically defunded. I think um, we've seen the same thing in Ontario with their shift in provincial government, and, you know, they're also reporting record overdose numbers but i i I am inspired by you know regina has an overdose prevention site saskatoon has a supervised consumption site so we do see people trying to innovate and to respond uh you know sudbury had a citizen pop up uh overdose prevention site because the situation was so desperate and then the city shut it down so i think there is the will um and the feds have said you know we Um, have tried to fast-track safe supply of prescribed Mm -hmm. uh, alternatives to street uh, opioids for folks, but that's blocked in Alberta. That's not something that's going to be allowed uh, in our jurisdiction. So, you know, there is a chance to innovate, but um, we're just not doing it right now.
0: Yeah, we aren't moving forward at all. Um, Has there been any progress on these calls for some sort of urgent action in the past week? Uh, Has there been any movement of all? Is, Is there any groups coming together to come up with a plan?
3: Uh, You know, not that I've heard yet, although we're certainly always having those conversations. I was a bit disheartened to see, you know, an op-ed editorial from, uh, you know, Minister Lawan yesterday in the Edmonton Journal, just once again, you know, laying out how the Alberta model is successful and how much they're investing. Um, You know, but we haven't heard anything uh, about responding to this, especially what's happening in Edmonton. And I think one of the things we have to focus on now is our uh, municipal elections in Calgary and Edmonton. The situation's equally dire in Calgary, and we have a mental health and addiction strategy that the mayor rolled out for $25 million, and there's no money for overdose prevention. And I keep saying that over and over, and no one seems to be responding.
0: Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, people are dying as we wait. Uh, Rebecca, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it.
3: I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks.
0: That is Rebecca Hainsaw, who is an Associate Professor in Community Health Sciences at the University of Calgary. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us.